Back here with Mario Aliotto, of course, uh, Executive Vice President of Business Operations for the San Francisco Giants. 50-year career coming to a close. But, Mario, the, the marketing dream uh, comes about, and that is the creation of AT&T Park, Pac Bell Park, whatever you want to call it. But it's a very special time for you and your career and a culmination of a lot of hard work. But from the marketing standpoint, it's a dream. Yeah, it really was. In, in 2000, when the ballpark opened, uh, to see all the hard work from so many people uh, really come together and have opening day here in this beautiful ballpark, which is Pac Bell Park at the time, um, was was unbelievable. I mean, you know, for those of us who grew up in Candlestick Park, we knew that was a special place, too, because that's where our memories were. But to come here and see this brand-new state-of-the-art ballpark with kind of an old-time feel to it with, you know, McCovey Cove, uh, or San Francisco Bay at the time, really right over right field where home runs land in the water. It was just something special. And and I think because the ballpark was privately financed that we knew that, you know, we had to work our butts off to make this thing happen. I mean, you know, there was no guarantees that, that the plan would come together, you know, frankly. And uh, But other than, you know, putting a lot of you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it with so many folks on the staff. And uh, when we finally opened in 2000 to see what we get to look at today, um, in this beautiful park, uh, with you know, looking at the Bay Bridge and the and San Francisco Bay and the San Francisco skyline, um, there's just something special. There's a there's a there's a coziness to the to this ballpark that really is different than the ballparks we saw in the 70s, where it was just big circles surrounded by parking. This is a quaint ballpark that seats the 40,000 people, but it doesn't feel like that because you're so close to the field. And I think that's part of what Peter McGowan's goal was is to create an old-time ballpark with all the amenities of today. So uh, it's pretty special driving here every day to come to work here. Um, it's, a, it's a great ballpark, and I think it's thought of as one of the best ballparks, if not the best, uh, in baseball. A lot of the nuances of the park come from you and your group uh, talking about it, whether it's the Coke bottle in the outfield, the big glove in the outfield, uh, you know, the McCovey wall, and, you know, you got the wall out there, McCovey Cove and things like that. What about those things? Well, a lot of the ideas at the time were, you know, developed in, you know, in partnership with our sponsors because, again, you know, our Winter Circle sponsors at the time were part of making the deal happen, if you will. So the financing was there. Um, so when you think about the Coke bottle, um, you know, that Coke bottle, which is you know, somewhat controversial at the time, it's part of our ballpark. It's, it's the signature piece of our ballpark right now with the slides, and kids enjoy that every single day. You know, that's a big part of it. And, and uh, you know, I mean, in McCovey Cove and the wall, uh, there's so much here that is driven, I mean, you know, is driven by, you know, the deals that we had with the sponsors at the time. But but I think fan, you know, at the time it was called fan lot, but that whole left field area and that the glove, actually the glove is, I believe, is was a glove that was that Jack Bear actually had in his office. I don't know if it's some family member. It was that that glove is is uh, is is was thought of based on the on the on the glove that Jack Bear showed someone, and uh, so that's kind of that. But the idea of the bottle the, the bottle and the glove together now has just become part of this, the look and feel of the ballpark. So. Um, but yeah, so so a lot of the ideas that you know uh, at the time, you know, everyone didn't work. But I remember at the time we had 
Remember, we had the Portuguese water dogs out in, out in the McCovey Cove. That was another way to, to tell the story about the ballpark is next to water, that you'd fetch home run balls. At the time, we didn't know that the balls, you know, the ball doesn't really, doesn't really carry to right field here because of the, you know, the marine air, but doesn't, not as much as we thought. Uh, except when Barry was here, it seemed to go there quite often. So, um, but anyway, it's it's a great ballpark and and so much. Uh, and one thing I will say, you know, this is we're in twenty twenty three. The ballpark opened in t- the year two thousand. You know, we made a few changes since then. The bullpens now are out out in center field, and uh, you know we, we'd always go around and figure out other ways to improve the experience if we can. I mean the the cove. I mean the um, that loft out in right field where the Alaska Airlines is. That wasn't that wasn't there at the time. The whole Gotham Club wasn't there at the time either. So, um, you know, it, it kind of it's, it's an example that no matter how good you do something, there's always ways to improve it. And uh, sometimes if it's the status quo, the, you know, the competition will catch up to you. So our goal always is we constantly walk around the ballpark saying, what about if we did this or what about if we did that or what about if we move this over there? You know, you, you have to do that because the, you, you want to keep the consistency of your history and, and the game. But as the world changes, you got to find your spots to change with it. Mm. This is all under your regime, so to speak. Uh, how do you get your position that you have now? When does that happen? Because a lot of the things we talked about really are under your your watch. Well, I think so much of it happened. You know, I mean, I've been, again, I've been with the Giants, you know, through the '80s and the you know the '90s. Uh, never thought that we would still be here after all these years. It just kind of happened that way. But I think in 1993, when you know Peter McGowan and Larry Bear and the group came together to buy the team, I think a lot of it uh, really happened then. And and because we knew that at the time, we had a few seasons as you know we had to obviously we had to you know we had the sell Candlestick Park. We had to you, you can't say well ball, the Candlestick is no fun. Don't come out here. We have to give people reasons to come out the Candlestick and make that the best experience we can. But at the same time, there was a plan to figure out a way to build this ballpark. And, uh, and, and as that started to come together, then, I, you know, I, always, I really wanted to be part of it. And, and one of the things we did is every Tuesday night for a couple of years, I think it was like in 1998 or 97, 98 or 98, 99 or maybe all three years, every Tuesday night a, a group of us uh, would meet uh, here downtown San Francisco from about 7 to 10 o'clock. I mean, it was – and I literally mean every Tuesday – Whereas during the day you're working on your season at Candlestick, but at night it was a meeting about the future and and what had to be done for this ballpark, whether it was part of the design of the ballpark, whether it was how we were going to sell it, developing the charter seat program, how that was going to work. Um, you know, something as simple as remember at Candlestick Park, the home dugout was on the first base side. Well, here it's on the third base side. So if you're a season ticket holder, what option do you get? Is you get do, you, do we automatically put you over the giant side, or maybe you'd prefer to be so figuring all that all those nuances out were, was part of of getting together every Tuesday, and there'd always be a different subject that would come up, but but those meetings were, were critical. But I realized then that you know that, that something special was going on, and uh, and we all got caught up in that momentum, and never thought that all these years later, you know, here we are, and the ballpark is one of the best in, in baseball. Well, there was drama, though, uh, transitioning from Candlestick to the new beautiful ballpark, and you had to figure out a way to do that. And a very moving moment uh, at the end of that last game at Candlestick, and remember the home plate being flown from Candlestick to uh, AT&T Park, whatever it was back then. 
1999 was a real special year for so many of us. Uh, first of all, it was the year that we developed the bobblehead idea because we really – our theme that year in honor of, Lo, of Lon Simmons was tell it goodbye. And uh, we used that, that graphic very often. And that was the year that uh, we tried to come up with promotions that were somewhat nostalgic. And we came up with the, the idea of doing a bobblehead and, and never thought that all these years later it would still be the number one um, you know, uh, promotion in sports. And they're still everywhere. But that was a, but that last game we knew how do you say goodbye to something that you that you, that you grew up in you know it's kind of like selling the home you grew up in I mean now now what so in that that last game was a real special day it didn't matter if we won or lost I don't remember what where we what nineteen I don't remember what, whether we came in third place or first place or I have no idea but 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 we put a lot of time into that last ceremony so we we. We invited just about every ball player back who ever played for the Giants in San Francisco. Didn't tell, didn't tell, uh, didn't. I always like surprises, so I didn't really want to tell anyone who was going to be there and what we were going to do. But after the game was over, we started introducing every player that came out, and I, there were over a hundred of players, if not more. Um, and they all ran out to the position they played in, and whether it was right field, center field, shortstop. You know, so we it was, by the time we introduced every player. We had groups of people in every in all nine positions, and uh, and then they all kind of came together and Willie Mays threw out the last pitch uh, of, of Candlestick. But we f- wanted to really figure out a way to take a piece of Candlestick and bring it to the site where this ballpark was was being built. So uh, we figured out a way to get uh, to get a, to get clearance to have a helicopter land in center field. The helicopter came down. We actually took out home plate, the actual home plate, which is not these things. The home plate is not light. It's a heavy thing. They, 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 the groundskeepers took out the um, out home plate. They strapped it up somehow, um, and uh, and then the helicopter took off. And if I remember correctly, it took off and you know with with home plate on this rope. <laughs> but the best part about it is we actually covered it live on the scoreboard so that. As you were at Candlestick Park watching it, you see this. The, the, you see the helicopter going downtown, and you know, if I remember correctly, landing at what is, what is now Oracle Park, came out to this site, which is a construction zone, landed the ballpark, and they put the home plate here. And so that was the one piece of Candlestick for that first season. The home plate from Candlestick was here at at, at the time Pac Bell Park. That was you know again. It's the it's the it's the, sim, the the symbolism of the of the actual home plate being here. But it also was the method we did it. It was dramatic. And it's like, you know, how do you do something that surprises everyone? It's something that someone that you'll never remember. And also gives Candlestick Park its, its due because for as much as we made fun of that ballpark, there's a lot of history at that ballpark. Think about Willie Mays played there and the things that took place in that ballpark. Um, we wanted to close it uh, the right way, and I think we did. Boy, and Willie threw out the last pitch. Yeah, and that picture is still on the, on the, on the suite level here uh, with, with Willie, of course, with his jersey unbuttoned. Throwing out, throwing out the first pitch, and all the players around him. It's a pretty. It's a. It, sometimes you know that that day feels like it was a couple of weeks ago. It just went by. These years have gone by so fast. But, um, but look where we get to come today. You know this yeah. ball, beautiful ballpark that uh, that now for for future future generations and for kids of today, this is their candlestick. Except mm. except they have better memories potentially. It's not as windy. That's for sure. <laughs> Boy, what a story. Mario Alioto in charge of so much of this, an amazing 50-year career that started as a bat boy, my goodness, in 1973. What, what, a, what a journey this has been. Great story. Mario, a couple other things. Of, I was thinking of marketing in this ballpark. It's so easy to do it because it's a beautiful park. But what about Rusty? Didn't we have Rusty at some point? 
We did have Rusty, and that was uh, that was a, a one of our sponsors. It was an idea for for Rusty, and that was a we called the Mechanical Man out in right field. And in fact, where you see Levi's Landing now, underneath, I think the track is still there. And uh, but you know, every idea doesn't maybe may, may not work. But that was an idea that that uh, the sponsor at the time really really wanted to. I think it was Old Navy. Really wanted to, that. That was you know that, that was their signature uh, idea. Um, but you know, I think we had some fun with it after a while. But you know, then the the, the collective idea was okay. Let's let's uh, you know, it's not. It's let's move on to something else. So so Rusty's not there anymore. But but it is still part of our history. And uh, and, and and I think years from now, maybe a trivia question. But uh, but but Rusty is uh, is is no longer housed here in here in the ballpark. But but again, you know, but I but I, I will say this one thing. That you, you jogged my memory when you when you brought that up because Peter McGowan always told us that you know in order to be successful you, you have to take risks once in a while. You, if you if you think if you spend too much time thinking every idea through, you'll never do anything. So sometimes you know he kind of gave us the green light to try things, and you'll find a gem once in a while, and you may have some things that don't work, but that's okay. And I think his philosophy of running the business that way gave us all. The entrepreneurial, you know, sense to and confidence that he had our back. Let's try some things, and and a lot of it worked, you know. But it's okay sometimes. Think everything's not going to work, but but his message was, if if you, if you think too much, you'll do nothing, and then nothing happens. Mm. Well, the bobbleheads happened. Uh, that was great. I'm glad to be part of it. Uh, that, you know, because you're selling out all the sellouts in a row how about that from a marketing standpoint getting to that point with all the world series teams and everything else and the bobbleheads became part of it yeah that was all that was a great run and you know the sellout streak was a big deal to us and i think kind of part of that goes back to you know we, we so much of the community was excited about the new ballpark and it was a smaller ballpark than candlestick park um, you know, I think there's a notion that, you know what, if, if this ballpark, we think, we say every seat here is a good seat, which we think it is, but we only had 15,000 charter seats at the time, and and um, those were lifetime rights. So the uh, the idea that, that uh, you know, if you don't get a ticket now, you may not get in, there's just this, this, this feeling that this was the place to be, and we still think it's the place to be, and, and I think fans feel that. Um, but I think what's changed over time is, you know, back then we didn't have a secondary market where you know you can get a ticket and you know on, online and from someone else. So the, the the dynamics were a little different. If you knew you were going to come to a game, you know, in August, you know, you better get that ticket and you know when we go on sale because it may not be available if you wait. And I think that's part of of the mystique. You know, in our business, the season ticket member and the season ticket holder is such an important part of of the Giants family and and the foundation of what where our success really lies is in our season ticket holders. And, um, you know, and, and, to, and to this day, our, 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 those are our best fans and, and are with us, you know, day in and day out and good times and bad times, but you know that you've got their support. The bobblehead uh, idea was one that, you know, I never thought, I mean, I remember, you know, we never thought that would be, it would still be, you know, so successful today. But the day we gave it out was Willie Mays, it was a Willie Mays bobblehead. And to this day, he still says it didn't look like him. And, you know, but maybe it didn't. But, um, but we laugh about it all the time. But that was, we knew we had a, we had a hit instantly because fans were going around the ballpark saying, my God, this box has some substance <laughs> to it. And um, I remember a couple of years later, you know, I was, we were on a family trip to Europe and I walked by the Vatican and they were selling bobbleheads of the, of the Pope. I thought, my God, we really, we, 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 we did something i mean we we influenced the rest of the world with this decision but um you know i always say if i knew then what i know now 
maybe my career wouldn't have been would maybe have been a little shorter because the person that we brought the bobblehead idea to, I think, is on a yacht someplace in the Mediterranean now. But uh, but you know, those are all great memories. And uh, um, but you know, again, being the, the thing about our business that I love is it gives us the ability to be creative. And you know, we can't we can control everything here except for how the team plays. Everything else is really on our control, whether it's the food, the, the the experience, the ushers. You know, I love when when our ushers say, you know, hey, come, you know, good afternoon, I'll see you later. See, you. you know, that's all part of the experience. You know, when you go to Disneyland, you know, uh, there there's a feeling, you, there's a consistency you're going to know when you walk into a Disney park. We want that same feeling here. Is that you know, this is a this is entertainment, but you know, this is your home. We want to welcome you here as though it's your home as well as ours. So um, that's why customer service has been such a big part of the Giants experience and building our brand. Somebody once told me, Marty, that a brand is defined by how it behaves. You know, I think over the years, you know, we haven't made every decision, you know, that was not always the right decision, but we've taken the time to think about every decision from the fan's point of view, not just what we think. You know, it's like, what is that fan who maybe can only afford to come to one game a year? You know, how do you make that experience just as enjoyable for that one person? Every game for 81 games has to be somewhat consistent. And uh, and I love being part of that is, is trying to be at our best all the time. Mm. We'll take a break. Back with more right after this.